Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. Pastor Thomas has been begging to be on the priest team, and so we made this video, and so his wife begged us not to show it in Uvalde, but we did. So she got to see it this morning, so y'all pray for her, okay, pray for her. Uh, It is Christmas time. I have been trying to go through the Christmas story and talk about maybe some things that are on the margin, some things we don't always think about uh, in the traditional sense, and I want to continue that today, so let's get right into the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be talking about Mary being with child. Luke chapter 1, I'll start reading at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. That's why we're here. Amen. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to your Holy Spirit as he teaches us. We pray that anything that is not from you will not stick in us. Lord, we only want what you have for us. And Lord, we ask that you would honor us as we honor you. May your name be lifted up in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. His name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus again. Now, Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Everybody say salvation. So many times we we get into the Christmas season and we get inundated with these pictures of the nativity and the manger and the little baby, and and we really get wrapped up in this idea that, that God is with us. But I want you to begin to see that from the very beginning, the plan was not that God be with us, but that God save us. We need to be saved. We need to be rescued. The scripture says that Because of the sin of Adam, then what has entered into each of us is the sinful nature, which is the power of death. And so there is something at work inside of me that is also at work in the social imaginary of the world that makes it easy for me. And I am inclined to do things that seem right to me, but only mess me up. It seems right. We date people and we think this person is right and they mess you up. We, we, we handle situations at work in a certain way that seem right, and then it makes it worse. 
There, there are things that we do, things that we are tempted toward, and we think, well, this is going to make my life better, and then it just messes us up. And, and there is a sinful nature in me, so it is not something that I necessarily have to choose to do as much as it's already in me, and it's pushing me that way, and then the world is pulling me that way, and so there's all this pressure, and it is something that is born in me, and so I didn't get a choice. I didn't get to choose it. I didn't say, Lord, I want to be sinful. It was just born into me. I can't get rid of it. I can't cleanse myself. I can't do whatever it takes. I can't be perfect. I can't love all the time. I can't do anything and I need to be rescued from the power of death that is trying to kill my soul and so Christmas is not just about a baby Christmas is about salvation Christmas is about God coming to rescue us out of the powerful grip of death the, the, the Bible says the spirit of death is always working to kill life in me. I don't, I don't mean physical life, but life flourishing, the things that make life worthwhile, love and peace and joy and friendship and relationship and everything that God has given us that is supposed to make our life meaningful. He's, he, the enemy's trying to push you and pull you into being bitter, angry, jealous, selfish, mad, depressed, all of that stuff so that it kills the spirit. And God says, I have come to give you Jesus so that you can be set free from all of that stuff in his name and by his power. That's what Christmas is really about. Amen. Amen. You can give the Lord a praise offer for that. That's what it's really about. So this, this season, when you think about Christmas, I want to, I want you to think about when you look at that baby, don't just think that God came to you to be with you, but that God came to save you and that we need to be saved. Now, all this goes back to the garden of Eden. So I want to back up to Genesis chapter three. How many times do you hear a Christmas story out of Genesis? Huh? Huh? That's huh? Okay. Anyway. All right. Genesis chapter three. Now, you know the story, Adam and Eve, they have been uh, taking the forbidden fruit. They have sinned against God and now God has come to deal with them. And I want to read what God says to the snake, to the serpent. Remember, Satan entered into the body of the serpent who deceived the woman, who then convinced the husband and then they blamed everybody else, right? Verse 15, God said, and I will put enmity. Everybody say enmity. Enmity is utter hatred. So what God is saying is I'm going to pull myself out of Lucifer so much that there is no room for any kind of love at all. Even the most wicked person can still love somebody some of the time. But when God puts enmity, he says, I'm going to withdraw all of myself so there is nothing left in me, nothing left in that entity. So there is nothing in Satan in all of his heavenly bodies that has any love in it. So there is an utter hatred. They hate you. They hate me. They hated Christ because we have taken their place. They are fallen angels and God has given us their place and they hate us with a hatred that cannot even be explained. He says, I will put enmity between you and and the woman and between your offspring and hers and the King James I like how it says it says between your seed and the seed of the woman everybody say seed 
I want you to think about seed this morning. And so in other words, it's not just between Lucifer and Eve, it is forever and ever. And so there is this thing inside of me, this sinful nature that has entered me by the, the eating of the forbidden fruit. But then in the heavenly bodies, the, world, the scripture says, my enemy is not flesh and blood, but I fight against the principalities of darkness in the heavenly realms. And so they are trying to pull me and trying to move me and trying to kill my spirit. And it goes on forever and ever. It goes on to my children, my grandchildren, and for generation to generation to generation. It never ends until Christ comes again. And he says, I will put enmity between your offspring and hers. He, now we're talking about Christ. So he is foretelling, prophesying about Jesus coming as the seed of the woman, the seed of Eve, the seed of Mary, the seed of Abraham, and the seed of God. It says, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, this is a a very interesting phrase because when you read it, he is putting all this together. He's saying there is going to come a seed. There will be a savior who will come and the enemy will strike his heel. And as the enemy is striking his heel, he will crush the enemy's head. There, it is all put together. It's one motion. The enemy strikes and he crushes his head. So imagine somebody walking through, you know, a, a, a place in high grass and, and a snake comes out and strikes their heel. And then that person reacts by crushing the head of the snake. And so what God is saying is I'm going to put a seed in the woman, which is interesting because women don't have seed. They have eggs. And so he says, I'm going to put a seed in the woman that will have power in him so that when the enemy strikes, he will crush the head of the enemy. Amen? Now, in order to to completely destroy the work of the enemy, Christ had to be perfect. He had to be the perfect sacrifice. The scripture says that he was perfected through suffering. Everybody say perfected. So Christ, we can say, well, he was a son of God. Of course, he was perfect, but he had to be proven perfect by resisting all temptation, resisting all wickedness, resisting all evil. So when the enemy struck his heel on Calvary, on the cross, Christ was faced with enormous temptation. He could have called down 10,000 angels. He could have called down curses. He could have let lightning strike down. He could have just gotten up and walked away. So many temptations, but the scripture says he stayed because for the joy of the cross, he endured it because he saw your salvation in mine. He faced every temptation, resisted, and by resisting, he was made able to crush the head of the snake forever and ever, amen? And so he is king and the devil is a loser forever and ever, amen? Now, this is the seed that was put into the woman. Let's go a little bit deeper now. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church. He's speaking to you and me. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Amen? Amen. Somebody say, under my feet. So now the seed of Eve that was the seed of Mary is now me. So right here, all at once, I have received the seed because Jesus Christ is my savior. So I have received him into me. And at the same time, I have become the body of Christ and I am now the seed so that as I die, he grows in me, produces fruit, which produces more seed and ministry grows and comes out of me. But the seed is you. The seed is me. 
And so now he's saying the same power that was in the seed of Eve and the seed of Mary is in the seed of you. It's inside of you. You are the seed. In other words, God has empowered you so that every time the enemy strikes your heel, you will crush his head. Amen? Every single time the enemy does something to crucify you, to make your life difficult, anytime he maneuvers the world, maneuvers people, controlling things in order to get you depressed, angry, anxious, worried, whatever it is, anytime he's trying to steal the life that God has put in, you have been empowered by the seed of the woman to crush the head of the snake every single time. More than that, every time the enemy comes against you, there is a power in you for you to resist and actually grow in faith and be perfected. So what the enemy is trying to do works against him because God uses it to perfect you so you get stronger in your faith, stronger in your love, stronger in encouragement, and you come to the place, God is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? You can say with confidence, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world he struck my heel and I crushed his head over and over and over again every time he does it I just get stronger amen this is the power that God is trying to put in you through this little baby y'all with me praise the Lord let's go back to the Christmas story now Luke chapter 1 verse 34 The angel has shown up to Mary and told her what's going to happen. Verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Remember, a woman has no seed. The power is in the seed. A woman has no seed. She said, how can this be? I'm only a virgin. And so he says, the Holy Spirit is going to come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the result will be this seed is put into you. And so what you didn't have, you will suddenly have. And so this power is is making you stronger, but it's giving you what you don't have in order to do what God has called you to do. He's given you the ability. He says, you're struggling forgiving somebody who has hurt you. I'm putting power in you to forgive those who don't even ask for forgiveness. You struggle with temptation to go out and drink to get high. I'm giving you power that you never had, never had before. Every day of your life, you have fallen into temptation, going out drinking, getting high. But today, I'm empowering you to say no. Never been able to do the works of God. Always wondering, I can't do this. I'm, I, I, I don't, can't do that. I can't speak. I can't sing. I can't, whatever it is. And God is saying, I am putting in you what you never thought you could do and empowering you to do it even as the enemy strikes you. In fact, when he strikes you, it will only increase your ministry. He's going to put in you what you don't have. Amen peace that you don't have, calm you don't have. You got a temper, God's going to give you peace you don't have. You struggle with addiction, God's going to give you self-control that you didn't have. This is what God wants to do through this little baby. Y'all with me? 
Now, how's it going to happen? He says, the most high will overshadow you. Everybody say overshadow. I love this word. Overshadow. It means to be immersed. Y'all, any, any of y'all remember the old cartoon, the Peanuts cartoon, Charlie Brown, right? And one of the characters, and I can never remember his name, he, he never took a bath. Y'all, was, it, was his name Linus? Linus? Uh, was it Pigpen? I don't know. I don't know. I just... Uh, anyway, he had, a, he had a cloud of filth around him, right? Just everywhere he went, this cloud of filth just went with him. When we were born into the sinful nature, spiritually, this is what we look like. Just a cloud of filth everywhere we go. The Apostle Paul says, there's nothing good lives in me. And so you take Christ out, all I am is a big cloud of filth. But what Jesus is saying is, I want to immerse you into something different. And I want to wash you clean. David said, wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Cleanse me with hyssop. And so God God is saying, I want to immerse you into a different realm so that everywhere you go, instead of being covered in a cloud of filth, you are covered in a cloud of glory. Now, to be immersed means it's not something that just happens every now and then. Too often, our relationship with God is limited to Sunday mornings. It's limited to church services, limited to prayer meetings, limited to our our daily time in the mornings. But what God is saying here is I want to fill you with power. And the way I do it is to envelop you so that everywhere you go, we are together. We are linked. We are connected. We are in communion. So that... God is not somebody you visit every now and then when you go to church. God is somebody who is with you all the time. And you are all the time aware of it. You wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord. How you doing? I slept pretty good. How'd you sleep? Oh, that's right. You don't sleep. Praise God. I'm glad you didn't sleep so you could watch over me while I was sleeping. You, you drive through and you say, Lord, thank you for this sunshine. Thank you for this rain. Thank you for these trees. You're almost getting a wreck. Thank you for the angel who got in the way so that I'm still living. And you begin to thank God all the time. Amen. You can tell God jokes. He may not laugh if it's not a good joke. But, but he, he's wanting to have this communion with you where you're listening to him, talking to him all the time, not in a religious way at religious moments, but every single day. He says, I, I want to envelop you. I want to overshadow you. And so that's how this seed of power, we may think, well, it came at salvation. Yes, at salvation, you received all the power because you are co-heirs with Christ. He gave you everything. But his inheritance, all that he has given you, he gave you to as a little baby. And a little baby that's inherited a lot of money doesn't get to touch the money. Somebody else has to deal with it. And so Jesus is teaching us, when I overshadow you and we begin to walk together and talk talk together and we step together and we talk and we converse and we share and we dream and we envelop one another, then as you grow, I am overshadowing you and you will be filled with power. But too many of us don't walk. We're not enveloped. We just visit. Imagine what kind of marriage you would have if you just visited your wife once a week. Not good. So how do we, how do we, let me, I, this envelop, the, the example he gives us is, is baptism, being immersed. So I want to talk about baptism for a minute. When Jesus started his ministry, he had to be baptized. 
And I won't get into why he had to be baptized, but remember John the Baptist said, I need to be baptized by you, not the other way around. He said, no, you baptized me to fulfill all righteousness. What I want you to see though is that Jesus couldn't baptize himself. Jesus had to be baptized by somebody else. And so baptism, if you're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, you can't do it by yourself. You got to be, you got to have communion with the saints of God. You got to be in communion with the church. You got to not give up on gathering together and meeting together for worship and prayer and supporting one another and spurring one another on. Amen. Too many of us, we say, well, you know, I I got God in here, so I don't need the church. No, you don't understand the scripture if you think think you don't need the church because Christ is the church. He is the body of Christ. You can't say I'm good here and not be good here. You got to be in communion with Christ and you got to be in communion with the saints of God. Amen. Now, I will be the first to tell you there's a big difference between Christ and the saints of God. Christ is always kind, always nice, always smells good. The saints? But see, when I'm communing with the saints, then I have to be perfected by being patient with you. You have to be perfected as you're patient with me. And as we love and forgive one another, and that's only possible if I also have communion with the Spirit. If I only have communion with the saints, then I get religious and I just start comparing myself to everybody else. But if I have communion with the saints and with the Spirit, the Spirit is teaching me how to be a better Christ to the body of Christ and teaching you to do the same thing. So then we grow up together and we envelop one another in the spirit and we all grow the bible says and we all are unified in the faith until we increase in our maturity together amen another example of this idea of being enveloped is communion christ brought the disciples together in the last supper and he took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body broken for you and so first of all i want you to see in the lord's prayer he says give us this day our daily bread every day The Jesus you get today is not good enough for tomorrow. Now, he's already in tomorrow. But the sin in me is so powerful to be free. I need a shot of Jesus every single day. I can't be victorious over my own sin. I have to have Jesus in me to be victorious over my sin. Amen? So I need him every day. But then think about when you eat bread, the bread doesn't disappear when it goes in your mouth. It gets in your body. It goes through your body. It is transformed, renewing. It is sending nutrients out, sending oxygen out, changing your blood. It's transforming you on the inside. So he's saying daily you need to be enveloped in me so that you can ingest me so I can transform you from the inside out. Amen? And then I want to read this last scripture to you. It's not the last one. That's just some preachers say, right? (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship. Friends. God wants you to be reverent for his holiness, but he also wants you to know you got a friend who loves you all the time. A friend who loves you all the time. We have to learn how to interact with the Holy Spirit as our friend. Talk to him. Talk to him anytime. We spend more time complaining on social media than we do talking to the one who can fix it all. Right? Talk to him. Now, 
What keeps us from this? What keeps us from having this communion? I want to go back to the Christmas story now. Luke verse 128. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, how many of y'all think that sounds pretty good? I'm, I'm what? Highly favored. Say it again, brother. Right? I'm highly favored. The Lord is with you. I hope so. Praise God. But Mary's response was different. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And so God says, hey, I'm with you. And she's troubled. Now, to really fully grasp this, we got to go back. And all throughout Scripture, every time somebody came in, 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 in close proximity to the Spirit of God, there would be fear. That's why you have over and over again, you have angels saying, fear not, do not be afraid, over and over again. And the prophet Isaiah, who was a holy, holy man, when he encountered the Holy Spirit very, very intimately, he said, woe am I, a man of unclean lips. When you get in the presence of total purity, absolute holiness, you are suddenly aware of all of the filth in you. And and what happens is the sin in me and the sinful nature in me is constantly reminding me of my sin. And the world is trying to say, do it again, do it again, do it again. This is the way to go. You'll get happy this way. Just do it again, do it again. And, And so I'm constantly being drawn into that and I'm thinking about it. And when I don't see God as my friend, then I see him as my judge, as my God. And when I have those things in my mind, I think I I can go to church today because of how I've been living. God's not happy with me because of what I said to my wife. I'm still hung over this morning. Why would God want to talk to me? And that fear sets in and it separates us. But God says, I'm going to overshadow you. I want to talk just real briefly about being overshadowed because we see this in the scripture on the atonement cover. Exodus 25. And y'all never heard a Christmas sermon out of Genesis and Exodus. I'm just telling you. Exodus 25. Listen to this. The atonement cover. I want y'all to imagine this is the Ark of the Covenant, the golden box. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch Indiana Jones. I know you've seen that, right? The Ark of the Covenant. This is the box, wooden box. It had gold on the outside, gold on the inside. The law inside, Okay. And so it represented Christ who was in the golden heavenlies, came down to the wood of Calvary and ascended back up into the gold of the heavenlies. And he is the law. And so this box represents him. It had a covering over it, a gold covering. And the gold also was, was made into angels that came above and their, their, their wings touched. And in the middle between those wings, it was said that the spirit of God, the Shekinah glory of God rested Let's read this, Exodus 25, verse 17. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end, a cherub is an angel, make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other, and make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. That's what Moses had, right? There above the cover between the two cherubim, between the angels that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. 
Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us. But the atonement cover became God with us. And where that Shekinah glory was, it was overshadowed by the glory of God. And it said that Moses would walk in and speak to God face to face. This also became known as the mercy seat. Because one day a year in the Jewish culture, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, which was the most holy place. Only, only he could go in there and only one time a year. And that's where the ark was. And he would take the blood of a lamb and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Be covered in blood between the angels where the glory was. And where the blood was, the blood of the lamb, that was the forgiveness of God. There, God was with us. The manger is a foreshadowing It's a type, it's a model where God meets with us and it's where mercy is. You're afraid you can't be around God because you've sinned here and you've sinned here and you've done that and done this. And God's trying to come to you and say, hey, I've, I've got something for you, it's incredible. I'm gonna fill you with power. I'm gonna break you free from all this stuff. And the enemy's saying, no, you can't, ex- you can't have that power because you've done all this stuff. And God is trying to say, no, I died so that I could get you to me so I could give you this power. Amen? And, and the mercy seat becomes that place where no matter what you have done, God says, I have forgiven you of it all so that I can have communion with you so that I can overshadow you and fill you with power and set you free and burst out ministry. So that not only are you changed, but your children and your children's children and for generation upon generation. When you think of Christmas this year, I want you to think of the God who saves, the God who wants to fill you with power. And when the enemy tries to say, you're not good enough, come back to the mercy seat, come back to the cross because he meets us where mercy flows. He is God with us. Amen. Stand up and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you're not a God who is far, not a God who stays away, but you're a God who has come near. And Lord, even though our sin may make us feel abandoned or feel as if you didn't want us, the mercy seat of Calvary where you saw everything we would ever do and washed it away. And Lord, you didn't wash it away in vengeance. You didn't wash it away in condemnation. You didn't wash it away in judgment. You simply said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Lord, I pray that anybody who is far from you today Lord, may they come back to you at the cross, at the mercy seat, to receive your forgiveness. And then, Lord, help them to stay in you, to walk with you, to talk with you, to be overshadowed by you, that the seed of the woman 
may be power in their life. Thank you for never leaving us alone. We go through the fire when you were there. When the flood waters come, you do not leave us. We are never alone because of that mercy seat. And we give you praise and glory. And everybody said together, amen, amen. Let's praise the Lord this morning. Yeah, just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.